Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S. and from around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and you've tuned into Rediscovering New York. In my day job, I'm a real estate broker with Halstead Real Estate, but Rediscovering New York is not a program about real estate. It's a show that mostly is about New York City's extraordinary neighborhoods. On most programs, like today, we focus on a particular neighborhood, exploring its history and also its current energy, texture, and vibe. What makes that New York neighborhood special? And we do it through interviews with urban historians, preservationists, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, artists, and sometimes other neighborhood personalities. Sometimes we host a show about an interesting part of theme of this great city that we're in that's not focused on one particular neighborhood. In the past, we've covered shows on a history of U.S. presidents who came or who lived in New York. We've talked about the history of the women's suffrage movement in Brooklyn. Uh, we also talked about the history of Irish immigrants who came to New York. We had several special episodes during Stonewall 50, and we even explored the history of bicycles and cycling. Bicycles have been part of the city for 200 years, believe it or not. In the future, we may journey to some of the city's parks or the subway, the age of a particular social or political movement or musical genre. I really am putting together that show on punk, I promise you. Uh, or unique New York architectural phenomena. Uh, next week, we're actually going to host a show about Rockefeller Center and the Woolworth Building. After the broadcast, each show is available on podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and others. And today, we are headed to one of Brooklyn's most beautiful and oldest neighborhoods, one of my favorites, Fort Greene. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about part of a neighborhood that's a little bit north of that, all about Bay and the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Our first guest is Greg Trupiano. Uh, Greg is a native of Brooklyn. He's the founder and artistic director of the Walt Whitman Project. It's a Brooklyn-based community arts organization that started in 2000. It's devoted to exploring the life and influence of a great American writer through readings of his poetry and prose and performances of musical compositions based on his texts. Uh, it's often said that Whitman is America's greatest poet. Past events of the Walt Whitman Project have been, have been produced in cooperation with American Opera Projects, Fort Greene Park, I'm sorry, Fort Greene Park Conservancy, Brooklyn Historical Society, of which yours truly happens to be a member, the Hudson Guild Theater Company, the Whitney Museum of American Art, Museum of the City of New York, BLDG 92 with the Brooklyn Navy Yard, the Gay Gotham Chorus, the Brooklyn Museum of Art, and with young poet writing mentor Angeli Raspberry. Did I pronounce his name right? Angeli. Angeli, sorry. I'm thinking the Italian Angeli, Angeli Raspberry. Other past partners include St. Francis College, Pace University in Lower Manhattan, the Macon, Brooklyn Heights, and Central Branch of the Brooklyn Public Library, and the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. The Walt Whitman Project has produced programs out of New York City at locations including the Walt Whitman Birthplace in Huntington, Long Island, and in Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Sarasota, Florida. But Greg's artistic talent is not limited to New York. He's the artistic director, I'm sorry, director of artistic administration at the Sarasota Opera in Florida. He spends half his year in that state. Wow, must be the wintertime that you go down there. And he doesn't run the company without some help. Lon Black is the project's artistic associate. Greg, a hearty welcome to Rediscovering New York. Jeff, thank you so much this beautiful evening in Manhattan. You know, sometimes I get nervous when I leave Brooklyn, Jeff. But <laughs> it's so beautiful this evening. I'm really glad to be here with you in Manhattan. Well, I ordered the weather that way, as I sometimes do for walking tours. Uh, and believe you me, it wasn't that easy, but, uh, but we made it happen. You're actually a Brooklyn native, Greg. That's true. What part of Brooklyn are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Kensington, mm -hmm. Avenue F and East 4th Street. 
I went to St. Rose of Lima Catholic Elementary School, and then I went to Erasmus Hall High School. Erasmus Hall in Flatbush. In Flatbush, Flatbush and Church mm-hmm. Avenue, the second oldest uh, uh, public school in New York City, actually in the nation. And, uh, you know, not that they were my classmates, but people like Barbara Streisand and Barbara Stanwyck and Billy Cunningham and Neil Diamond all went to Erasmus Hall High School. Did you study social? You must have taken social studies at Erasmus Hall. I did, yes. Do you remember a Mr. Bernstein? No. Okay. That I name had, I don't know. Uh, my, my favorite teacher in high school was Gladys Bernstein, and her husband was the chairman of the department at Erasmus. I went to Midwood. Aha. Uh-huh. And so I thought you might have... Uh, I forgot his first name. We're uh, enemies. You went to Midwood. Midwood <laughs> which is not actually in Midwood. Midwood is in Flatbush. Right. It's just over the line. Um, we'll talk about the Walt Whitman Project in a little bit, uh, but I want to ask you how you got involved with passionately sharing neighborhood history with people and, and in the different things that you do. Well, it really came first from my love of Walt Whitman. That came first. And then when you read Walt Whitman, especially his uh, journalism, his prose, and he starts talking about, hmm, I lived near Flatbush Avenue. I lived on Tillery Street. I lived on Johnson Street. I lived uh, near the uh, near the Fulton Ferry. You start crossing over and develop passions for these neighborhoods, too, because Walt was there, and you're trying to touch him as much as possible. How long have you been giving tours, Greg? Well, the Walt Whitman Project is will be 20 years old in fall 2020. I'm very happy to say that. So I think we started to do tours fairly early on. And there's various tours we, we do. You know, the, uh, the tour you are on, Jeff, for the Brooklyn Historic uh, Society, the one of Fulton Ferry and Walt Whitman, that was the first time I did that. My colleague for that was Stefan Killen. It was actually his idea, and I helped him d- uh, develop that. So that's one tour we now have. I have a downtown Whitman tour. It's surprising. Downtown, there are buildings that still exist that Whitman wrote about, such as for Whitman, it was Brooklyn City Hall. But Brooklyn Borough Hall, Whitman wrote extensively about. One of his big concerns when they were building it in the 1840s was, I hope it has good ventilation. And then the tour that I do give the most is the uh, Fort Greene Park Walt Whitman tour through, through and in conjunction with the Fort Greene Park Conservancy. And we'll talk about an upcoming tour in the, in the second part of our time together. And full disclosure, everyone, Greg and I first met about a month ago. I went on this great tour that was sponsored by the Brooklyn Historical Society. It's called Crossing Brooklyn Ferry. It was about Walt Whitman. It was very inspiring. Um, let's move to Fort Greene or the neighborhood that became Fort Greene. Um, before Europeans came, were there native peoples living in the area? Yes, uh, certainly. They were the uh, Canarsie Lenape people. And then the Europeans first arrived uh, in the area probably 10 years after the Dutch settled New Amsterdam to start the farming there? Right, and it was the Dutch who came to Brooklyn also. What was the area like when the British ruled New York before the time of the Revolution? Well, it was... Brooklyn was was not a city. New York was a city. New York, uh, Brooklyn was just a- open agricultural land. Uh, maybe the population was about between four thousand and five thousand. Obviously, lots of descendants from the from Dutch times, uh, and about a quarter of the population were slaves. A quarter of the population of Brooklyn were slaves. Wow, correct. Wow. That was hmm. remember slavery is not outlawed in New York State until eighteen twenty seven. Um, and it was the second uh, uh, to the last state in the North to actually get rid of slavery, the first being New Jersey, (laughs) 
we have we we have something over New Jersey. A Fort Greene or the neighborhood that the area that would become the neighborhood of Fort Greene saw a lot of action during the Revolutionary War. Oh, it certainly did. And actually, we're coming up to a time of the year when we commemorate that. And that's the Battle of Brooklyn, also known as the Battle of Long Island. But for any number of reasons, I do prefer the title, the Battle of Brooklyn. So on August 27, 1776, the, the British had a plan to save the American Empire. And that was to take uh, New York City and the surrounding uh, areas and to hold them, to, to send, send soldiers in and to seize them. This way, they could cut off New England and part of New York from the rest of the colonies. And they hoped by doing that that they would uh, maintain the, uh, their control over the area. And the, the uh, British sailed into Gravesend Bay in Brooklyn a few months before uh, August 27th, and they brought with them over 30,000 men for this expedition, huge number of men. So when they finally landed in Brooklyn on August 27th, they overwhelmed the rather ragtag American army. It was not a good day and night for uh, George Washington. Now, the Battle of Brooklyn was geographically wide-ranging. Uh, part of it, uh, for example, took place in Park Slope. At, at the at, Now, today we have the reconstruction of the old stone house, but that commemorates that. Part of it took place in the pumpkin patch at Greenwood Cemetery on, on 36th Street. And part of it also did take place at Fort Greene. Now, for the American Revolution, Fort Greene, the fort at present-day Fort Greene, was actually called Fort Putnam. When the Americans figured out that the strategy of the British was that they were going to sail in and try to take over Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights, and New York, they quickly put up a, a series uh, of redoubts or, or small forts made out of trees and, and, and stones and mud. And the redoubt at the top of Fort Greene was called Fort Putnam. For example, Car well, Carroll Park is today, that's, that was another fort that the Americans put up, as was Fort Defiance off the shore of, of Red Hook. The British came in and overwhelmed the Americans. The Americans lost their lives, forcing George Washington to retreat from Fulton Landing, uh, Fulton Ferry Landing, over to Manhattan under the cover of dark, and and fog that descended on the evening of August 27th. Thank goodness he did, or we probably wouldn't have the United States that we know today. That is absolutely true. And of course, we can't talk about Fort Greene or about Wallabout Bay without talking about the, the prison ships and the horrific conditions and, and the number of people who died uh, at the hands of the British on these on these on these horrible ships, Jeff, it, it's very true. At Wallabout Bay, which we should we should say that's where the Brooklyn Navy Yard is today. Uh, before it, the, the 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 bay was was filled in uh, to better serve the Brooklyn Navy Yard in, in uh, beginning in 1801, the British ran out of land jails and other places where to put their imprisoned Americans. Those Americans who weren't cheering for George the Third who wanted independence. So they were being locked up by the British. Including the, women. Including, in, including women, including people who were, quote-unquote, not Americans, right? Because people from all over the globe came to fight the British for American independence. So it was, it, it, it was very much a, a, a mixed uh, bag of people who came to fight for American independence. Uh, the British sailed into Wallabout Bay, about 16 derelict ships that they had from, from their Navy, and they imprisoned 
the Americans on them. The most notorious of these ships was the Jersey. That was the intake ship. So that was the ship that everyone had to go to and which people remember. And on these ships, people died uh, of starvation, of disease, of overcrowding. And every morning, the British would say, Americans, pass out your dead. The Americans were then uh, buried in the shallow sands of the Wallabout Bay. And over the course of decades, these remnants, these bones washed up to the shore. Uh, also, lots of bones were recovered when the Navy Yard was its construction started in eight, 1801. The people of the area of Wallabout hated the British and the cruelty that they exhibited to these prisoners of war. And it's estimated, and this might be a conservative estimated uh, estimation, that over 12,000 people died on these ships. Which now, is more than the continental soldiers who were killed in, in action. In the which war. wasn't even, not to minimize that number, which wasn't even 6,000. So double the number of people died on the prison ships. How horrible. Finally, in 1808, uh, the bone shards and other remnants of these now called martyrs, uh, while about patriots, prison ship martyrs, uh, there was constructed a little temple to them, little wooden structure, right on the uh, uh, western wall of the Navy Yard. And that was the first of three structures uh, created in order to honor the prison ship martyrs. And, and Walt Whitman knew that structure. He talks about it in a, in a newspaper series. Mm. Um, what we're going to take a break in a minute. What was the area that would become Fort Greene? What was it like before the Civil War, right before the Civil War and before Brooklyn underwent a lot of industrialization? Sure. So uh, the, the great thing about Fort Greene is the hill, right? And that hill might have even actually been higher at one time. What was going to happen before the Civil War in the 1840s, that area was being developed. Brooklyn, which, which finally became a city unto itself in 1834, was spreading towards the east, towards present-day Bed-Stuy and Queens. And the plan was to level the hill of old Fort Greene and to put streets in, right? So, so you wouldn't have... Uh, Willoughby Street on one side and Willoughby Avenue on the other, Willoughby would go all the way through on a level plane. And it was actually very much because of Walt Whitman and his uh, being the editor of the Brooklyn Daily Eagle that that did not happen. That old Fort Greene, which became Fort Greene for the War of 1812, uh, was saved and maintained. Hmm. Uh, in fact, Fort Greene Park is actually older than Prospect Park. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And wasn't Fort Greene Park first created by an act of the legislature? Yes, state legislature, because it's the state legislature that actually uh, controls parkland in, in New York City. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. Um, there was a lot of abolitionist activity in Fort Greene right before the war. Uh, there was the Lafayette Avenue Presbyterian Church, which had the likes of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman come and speak. And the church also aided the work of the Underground Railroad. Um, by 1870, I think, uh, didn't um, more than half of African-American Brooklynites live in Fort Greene? Uh, I think the population, I, I, th I believe that's true. But, rem but remember, the population of African-Americans at that time in Brooklyn was not huge, but in that area, it, it was it was substantial. And again, it's it's remnants of sl uh, slaves in New York State being given freedom uh, 
by uh, 1827. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Greg Truppiano of the Walt Whitman Project. Be back in a minute. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back. My first guest is Greg Truppiano of the Walt Whitman Project. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about the project and uh, what you do with, with it? Thank you so much. It is a community-based arts organization. Uh, giving tours is just one of the several things that we do. We also have uh, sponsored poetry readings uh, in Fort Greene Park and other locations, such as some of the uh, Brooklyn Public Libraries. Uh, not just the poetry of Walt Whitman, but poetry by living poets, and I'm very proud of that because Walt Whitman said he was just the first of many to come. So he was waiting for people to not only come after him, but to be greater than he was. And I think soon we're going to be there with that. Mm. Um, we also, I've, uh, because I'm from the world of music and opera, I've commissioned, co-commissioned lots of settings of Whitman texts to new music. That's another thing that we do. We do literary events. Uh, we uh, sometimes we do big community events, such as in, a number of years ago in Fort Greene, we had uh, uh, the the Brooklyn Hospital and many other important institutions from the neighborhood came, and it was a day in the park, uh, inspired by Whitman readings of Whitman, but also the community getting to know other parts of the community. And you have a, a special tour on Saturday, don't you? Yes, it's one of our tours of Fort Greene Park, told through the angle of how Walt Whitman, as the editor of the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, was quite influential in the creation of the park. Uh, this was in 1846, and then in, finally in 1847, as you mentioned, the New York State Legislature 
finally gave approval of a park on Old Fort Greene. If someone wants to find out about the tour, how can they get in touch with they you? They should go to the Fort Greene Park Conservancy website, and they should make a reservation. Uh, and, uh, and you know what? Even if the website says we're sold out, come anyway. All we right, start, everybody. We <laughs> start at 11 o'clock sharp, at the, we, as we call it, the top of the hill, uh, Fort Greene Park at the Visitor Center. Well, if anyone's listening to this on podcast, uh, the tour is going to be on Saturday, August 10th at 11 a.m. Be there or be square. I actually would be there, except I have another tour I'm hosting, and I can't make it. Otherwise, I would go. Anyway, getting back to Fort Greene and uh, after the Civil War, uh, you know, Brooklyn Heights is known as the borough's oldest settled neighborhood and certainly the oldest upscale community. But isn't Fort Greene the second oldest luxury community in what was then still the city of Brooklyn and even I, older than Park Slope? I, I I think that's that's true, and and one way we could look at that is remember one one of the great older institutions of Fort Greene is BAM, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and that building of BAM on Lafayette, right east of Flatbush, uh, dates to 1908. But that's not the first BAM building. The first BAM building was on Montague Street near Clinton Street in Brooklyn Heights, and in 1903, the first BAM building in Brooklyn Heights burnt down. So it was decided to move BAM from Montague Street to Lafayette Avenue because they were following the money trail. So I think that is absolutely true. I mean, that, that's one of the hands-on uh, examples we have of the money going towards that area. Actually, because after the construction of the bridge, uh, there was a, a, a diminution of value of local real estate in the Heights, and also after the subway that was, was planned to be extended. And the Brooklyn Academy of Music, for those of you who have never been, is a, is a gorgeous structure. Uh, we used to go there, being a native of Brooklyn, uh, we used to go there from eleme on, on elementary school trips, and I've seen some great, uh, some great music performances there over the years. I used to live two blocks away when I lived in Borum Hill, but that's another, another story. Um, when we speak about the history of public transportation in Manhattan, um, the L trains figure prominently, the 3rd Avenue L, the 9th Avenue L, the, the 8th Avenue L, the 2nd uh, Avenue L. Um, Brooklyn had its own L trains, and a number of lines went through Fort Greene. Oh, yes. That's, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. So uh, there was two major uh, elevated s subways, which means they're not subways, elevated trains went through Fort Greene. One was on Fulton Street, which I believe was finally taken down, that section of it, in, uh, in 1940. But even more recently, on Myrtle Avenue, there was the L train until 1969. Now, one of my favorite stories is when they took down the, the L train from Myrtle, they actually took part of the metal from the L and at St. Michael's and St. Edward's Church on St. Edward's Place in Fort Greene, they fashioned a new altar out of part of the L structure and a new cross for the church. Mm. So it was a way of incorporating the, uh, the old still in the community. Actually, it's a little bit of forgotten New York. Uh, if you, anyone's taking the old BMT line from uh, the DeKalb Avenue station toward the bridge, uh, there was uh, a station that transferred to the L train at Myrtle. And in fact, you can see now there are all these like colorful dancing figures through, uh, through slats. So uh, uh, I used to, when I lived in Brooklyn, I used to love seeing that, but I don't take that, that line anymore, so I can't. Um, BAM is certainly one of the old-time institutions in Fort Greene, but Brooklyn's oldest hospital was also based there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, what is today uh, Brooklyn Hospital Center used to be Brooklyn mm -hmm. City Hospital. Uh, it was chartered in the 1840s. The 
first major building on, on the site still still there uh, directly to the uh, west of Fort Greene Park. Uh, the, that original building opened in 1855. And again, Walt Whitman, in his 1861-62 newspaper series, Brooklyniana, that he wrote for the Brooklyn Standard, writes about the hospital, and he is proud of it. He said, it's so wonderful to have this hospital. Now, so many people know Whitman as an, a visitor to the Army hospitals during the Civil War in Washington. But when he came home to visit his mother who, by the way, was still living on North Portland Street, directly across the street from Fort Greene Park during the Civil War. When he came home, he was still in the habit of going to Brooklyn City Hospital on the other side of the park and visiting the sick and wounded veterans. Wow. So he continued that even when he wasn't in Washington, D.C. So it, it's, it's uh, a very important connection to the, to the neighborhood and to Walt Whitman. Mm. Uh, there's uh, a little plug here for the Brooklyn Historical Society. They have a great exhibition at the main branch on Pierpont Street. It's called Taking Care of Brooklyn. I've actually seen it. <laughs> uh, it, it it's really something. And it actually talks about the history of health care in Brooklyn from almost the time that, that uh, the Dutch were here. And the founding of Brooklyn Hospital uh, has a prominent place in the exhibition. Um, let's talk briefly about the Williamsburg Savings Bank Tower. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, for so many decades, it was like the lone skyscraper in the corner of Fort Greene with nothing else around it. Um, I wonder why they decided to build it at that location where there was not really much of anything else when it went up in the late 20s. But uh, I believe there was still already the, the now there's nine subway lines underneath it. I doubt there were that many. Uh, th I think it's right before the building of the uh, independent subway line. But I think there were already several subway lines that merged there, so that would that would certainly seem good. And and I agree with you. As you said earlier, I grew up in Brooklyn, and to me that was always the symbol of Brooklyn. And I'm kind of sad these days. It was the know? tallest built. It was the tallest building in the borough for, for for at least half a century. And I have a very close friend who lives on the 26th floor with the wraparound balcony. Oh wow! And he's there for now almost a decade. And every Fourth of July now, when we go up, we see less of the view because there's another very tall build building, building there. Yes. It's it's true. Well, I, I, as a real estate agent, uh, it was very interesting to see the condo development in the tower, which, you know, which, which they created really beautiful spaces mm -hmm. uh, about that. Um, fast forwarding a little to the Second World War, um, at the height of the war, there were more than 70,000 people who were employed at the Navy Yard. Yes. And the Fort Greenhouses, which are right north of Myrtle Avenue, they were originally built during the war. Uh, or uh, right before the war, I think, um, between mm -hmm. Myrtle and Park Avenue, where the BQE is now, to help alleviate the shortage of housing in the area. Um, well, we have to go to uh, to a sad part about the neighborhood's history, which actually befell many neighborhoods in New York. After the Navy Yard was decommissioned in 1966, it started a period of decline in the neighborhood, um, and that generally is associated with a lot of neighborhoods in New York City. Um, what started the rejuvenation of Fort Greene, which began in the early 80s. I have to start with a little bit of personal history. Uh, my mother's best friend uh, moved from Midwood, uh, and she bought an incredible brownstone on Washington Park uh, for a song, you know, and uh, the, th the thing is incredible. Uh, and, and she was there at the, and there at the birth of the, of the, uh, of the rebirth of Fort Greene. What 
what led to Fort Greene? Because I, when we would visit there, I remember Mom would say that don't go in the park. It was one of the mo- it was one of the the most dangerous places in Brooklyn. No, it, it, Jeff, there's no deny, uh, denying that that's absolutely true. I think one of the reasons why that area was rejuvenated is because of the fantastic housing stock that is there of brownstones, and not only brownstones. You go down certain blocks, such as. Oxford, South Oxford Street, you will find freestanding wood houses that have verandas. And it, 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 it's unbelievable the style of buildings that you have in Fort Greene. So I certainly think that was one, one area, uh, one reason why that area became uh, uh, popular again. Another reason is, I think, Fort Greene Park itself. And also, you know, Jeff, you just mentioned the street called Washington Park. And it's like, where did that name come from? Well, the original name of Fort Greene Park from 1847 to 1898 was Washington Park. And Washington Park is the, is the street. It's the continuation of Cumberland be- between DeKalb and, and, and Myrtle. You know, when the dog people with dogs started to walk their dogs at night in the park in the 80s, early 90s, that made the park much safer because it was inhabited by, by, uh, by people again. And the so, dogs whom you didn't want to mess with in case they barked and bit you by attacking their owners. Correct. Uh, I mean, I mean that, that, that did happen. Hmm. Of course, uh, we have to give credit to Herbert Scott Gibson on uh, the 80s and the Fort Greene Landmark Preservation Committee which also led to the establishment, his efforts, and, and the uh, uh, committee's efforts to have Fort Greene designated a historic district. Um, well, we have a very short amount of time left. There's so much more we can talk about, but what I'd like to do in the minute or so we have left, left Greg, is talk about some of the newer and more recent institutions in Fort Greene. Sure. Well, one of my favorites is uh, a store, uh, I'm sorry, uh, one of my favorites is New York Writers Coalition. And New York Writers Coalition, to me, you know, Jeff, I want to say something. To me, so much of Fort Greene is about writing. And, and people who, famous writers who live there, like Walt Whitman and uh, Marianne Moore and, and so many others. And here is a community organization that's one of the largest in the world of community-based writing workshops. And they have workshops for youth, for seniors, for the gay lesbian community, uh, for for people who have been imprisoned, and it's just so inspiring because they they believe everyone is a writer, and in so many ways in Fort Greene, I think everyone's a writer. Wow, uh, thank you, Greg. Um, we're out of time in our first segment. Um, our first guest today has been Greg Trupiano of the Walt Whitman Project. Uh, I want to. Uh, invite people and remind them about the tour that Greg is going to be giving of Fort Greene Park. I have not, uh, and Walt Whitman, I have not been on that tour, but if it's anything like the tour I went on uh, down at the waterfront, uh, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Greg, thank you so much. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be speaking with a second guest, a very special guest who is uh, a cross between a community activist and a business person who also fosters artisanal work in the community. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? 
I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. back. Support for Rediscovering New York comes from our sponsors, the Mark Maiman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And we're also supported by the law offices of Thomas Siaka, specializing in trusts, estate planning, and probate administration. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. Our show is about New York's neighborhoods and the myriad textures of our amazing city. Even though I work in real estate, one thing our show is not about is the business of real estate. But there is a really good one. It's called Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco, my friend and colleague at Halstead. Vince's show airs live on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. and can be heard at voiceamerica.com and also on podcast. You can like this show on Facebook. It's called Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. And also follow me on Instagram, Jeff Goodman NYC is my handle. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on a mailing list, please email me, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. And one other note before we get to our second guest, when I am not hosting this show, I really am a real estate agent in New York City, where I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you'd like to see how I can help you with your real estate needs, you can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. We have a special guest on the second part of our show in Fort Greene, a lady by the name of Jill Lindsay. Jill is a one-of-a-kind, multi-talented businesswoman extraordinaire. Her background in fashion design, combined with her innate sense of how to host memorable and magical events, led her to open Jill Lindsay, her namesake department store, in her longtime neighborhood of Fort Greene. It's right on Myrtle Avenue in Adelphi Street. The store itself acts as a community hub, inviting customers and neighbors alike to chat at the wine and coffee bar, experience the wellness center, attend events, and shop for artisanal clothing and home goods. Jill Lindsay, the lifestyle brand, is committed to working with local artisans from Brooklyn Studios as well as from around the world. The apparel, shoes, textiles, and home goods sold in-store are all made sustainably with attention paid to supply chains and working conditions. The workshops and events are all meant to enrich attendees' lives and are diverse in scope, ranging from floral design and macrame workshops to supper clubs, workout classes, and weekly toddler sing-alongs. Those must be fun to watch. Jill believes in positive business growth through partnering with small business owners and takes a mentoring role with many of her vendors, helping them to think through product pricing, merchandising, and packaging. Future plans include expansion into multiple retail footprints, hospitality, wellness centers, and of course, 
creating more magic in her Fort Greene flagship store, and magic it surely is. Jill Lindsay, a special welcome to Rediscovering New York. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Are you originally from New York? I am not. Um, I'm originally from Kansas, a town called Stillwell, which is outside of Overland Park. How did you wind up in New York, and when did you and when did you come here, or, or when did you arrive? Right. So I've always been fascinated with New York, and my mom and her side of the family grew up in New New York, New Jersey area, and so we would come to New York a lot as children. And you know, it was always about finding the cool stores or going to Rockefeller Center and all of those magical New York City moments. And I always felt a very strong bond to New York. So after going, I moved to Seattle for grad school and in fashion design. And after working in Seattle for a year and a half, I really, you know, needed to fulfill that need of living in New York City. So I moved cross country. And when you came here, did you first uh, seek to work in fashion design? I did. Uh huh. Yes. So I've been working. I still. Or did you just first work in fashion design, not just seek to, but but actually do it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I work um, in a multitude of ways in the fashion industry. So I design. I help production. I do inspiration, and I still to this day freelance for clients, even though I have the store, because I love it so much, and I feel like there's a really important aspect to creating unique clothes these days, and forever. What took you to Fort Greene? Because it's not, uh, for someone who comes to New York for the adventure and the wonder, you talked about Rockefeller Center and the stores, the first place you would wind, one would wind up is not necessarily like an old century and a half old brownstone neighborhood in Brooklyn. How did you wind up in Fort Greene? Why did you choose it? Well, this is a really funny story. Um, so as mo- from moving from Seattle, I came to New York f- for a week to try to figure out where to live. And at that time, 11 years ago, all my friends were living in Fort Greene, or, um, Greenpoint and Williamsburg, which I had lived in Greenpoint for a tiny stint when I was doing an internship in New York. So, and you know, subject to the G train. <laughs> yes. Yeah, always. Um, so we were, you know, looking around where to live and it was, we just couldn't find the right place. And the last day of the trip, we were with the last broker and it was, you know, bleak. And so we were in this broker's car and I was like, just stop here. I don't know where we are. We just stop. We're going to get out of the car. We need to get some food and we need to regroup. And we ended up in front of Havana Outpost and on Lafayette in South Portland. So we go in, we get some food. There's a broker firm across the street. I was like, I don't even know what neighborhood this is, but I like this <laughs> place that we're at and it seems nice and it's beautiful. And so the broker showed us five spots on a Sunday afternoon, thankfully, and my house was the last of the five. And I stood in front of it right on Washington Park in Willoughby. Where you live now. Where I li- I've lived there ever since and I stood in front of it and I was like this can't be real like a corner lot brownstone on the park under the price range that we were looking it seemed like a a dream and I just couldn't get past it I couldn't get past it and then finally I was like this is this is the home so I've been there ever since I love my landlord I love the community you know it's it's amazing did you open up your business your business about 11 years ago as well, or is that more recent? I opened it up. We just turned five in three months this year. Um, 
And it was always my intention to open it in Fort Greene because after living there for, at that time, almost six years, I came to, you know, well, I should back up a tiny bit because the reason I opened the store is because I was working in the fashion industry for a long time. And I started to kind of see these trends of like, it's the second biggest polluter in the world. And, you know, the, the, the energy and the drive behind what I was doing wasn't really fulfilling me anymore. So I wanted to really make things that felt good, that supported communities, supported artisans, and, and made things in a way where it's not fast fashion, you don't buy it cheap, it's an investment piece. And so I wanted to open a store so that I could make and sell those things and then bring people together and sell my friends' items too and really enrich people's lives. So I was like, well, I have to do this in Fort Greene because we only have two stores. There's no tiny wine bar. There's n- there was one coffee shop. Well, one and a half coffee shops. <laughs> so a half a coffee shop? <laughs> <laughs> it was half half uh, coffee shop, half bike shop. Um oh. But we miss that place a lot, Red Lantern. Um, so, you know, it was really important to me to open something in the neighborhood that I lived in to support our communities, to support our neighbors, and to really start to change the lives of people from a retail con- concept. When you opened Jill Lindsay five years ago, did it have pretty much all the kinds of products and services that you offer today, or have you steadily added things throughout over the past five years? It definitely had... Like ninety percent of them, there have the wellness aspect of it has grown significantly within the last three years, and mostly through like spiritual wellness, which, you know, anything we can do to uplift people and help them in a healthy way, live a happy lifestyle, is amazing. Um, but all of it, you know, I started out and it was a retail store, a clothing brand, a cafe with coffee, tea, wine, and beer, and then an event space. And I remember my telling my dad that I was going to do this. And he was like, so you are doing four businesses by yourself with your bank account savings on a street that's called Murder Avenue. <laughs> Which at one point probably it was. I it mean, was. Back it in sure the bad old days of Myrtle Avenue. Yeah. 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 And I said, I sure am, Dad. <laughs> How long did it take him to come and visit you in this door? <laughs> uh, real soon. Oh, good, good. <laughs> You know, talk about Myrtle Avenue, Murder Avenue, you know, the old Fort Greene. But now, describe the vibe of Fort Greene now. What do you like about it? Um, you know, there's a lot to like. I like the fact that it's still predominantly small business centered. I like the fact that the community continues to grow. Um, I like... I think probably my favorite thing about it is the diversity. So, you know, as any gentrification happens, Fort Greene is now seen as one of the most, you know, luxury, wanted place to live in Brooklyn. But we still cater to, you know, the people that live in the projects and the people that have been in the neighborhood their entire lives. And I think it's really important to have those relationships with people. And I, I say this to people all the time because, you know, there's a preconceived notion that if you walk in the store, because they're quality-made products, the price tag is a little higher. But what I like to say is you can come in and you can have a tea for $4. Or you can have a cookie for $1.25. You know, I wanted it to be a place for all people. And you could come in and just get a smile, and that's perfectly fine, too, because it's really hard to find places like that in New York City. 
And one thing I want to let our listeners know is that um, uh, gentrification, uh, with the term gentrification, also can be a little bit of a dirty word in some communities. But f even though Fort Greene has definitely gentrified, it remains an economically and racially diverse neighborhood. It's been seen that way. It is that way. It's been reported that way in the press, including the New York Times. So it has. It definitely, you know, maintains Absolutely. something special of its of its old roots, and it hasn't just sort of. Um, uh, changed dramatically and you know totally sold out like some other neighborhoods have. It's funny to say that as a real estate agent, uh, but um, you can tell where my heart lies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what excites you about Fort Greene? What? Oh, the people. I mean, the characters. You could you literally, especially coming into the store, you can get everything everything from the eighty five year old woman who's literally lived in Fort Greene forever, who just comes in and gets a facial and she is the most high maintenance client we have and we love her to pieces, to like the kids that have just moved in from say Park Slope who are coming to the sing along. I mean it's truly such a diverse group of people and I think that's why, you know, that's why my the store is so important because it's truly community and I and you can see that when you walk, you go to the farmer's market, you see people that you know, you walk down the street, people say hi. You know, I, I can't say that when I lived in Greenpoint, it was like that, so. Huh. Um, has Fort Greene changed, do you think, in the five years that you've owned your business there? Absolutely. How has it changed, Joe? Uh, well, the amount of people, I feel like, has doubled or tripled. Um, you know, so more people are moving in. They're building all these new high-rise buildings. They're m creating multifamily buildings. So I think, you know, population-wise, it's huge. There also is that element of more money. But the one thing that I do have to say that I'm proud of is that there's also more small business growth. And I think that has a lot to do with the Myrtle Avenue bid being so supportive for small businesses. And it's amazing because there was a Starbucks, you know, two blocks down the street from me on Myrtle Avenue, and it didn't sustain. Because I think that people in this neighborhood are so loyal to supporting small business and supporting community. Wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Jill Lindsay of Jill Lindsay. We will be back in a minute. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
talkingalternative.com. tuned to Rediscovering New York in our episode on Fort Greene, an incredibly special neighborhood in Brooklyn and one of my favorites. Um, Jill, why don't you talk a little bit more about your business? Uh, where is it? How can people get more information about it? So um, Jill Lindsay's store is uh, at 370 Myrtle Avenue. It's uh, between Adelphi and Claremont. And we have a website. You can check out all of our events online. You can also shop all of our amazing artisans online. Most of them are makers in Fort Greene, the Navy Yard. Um, we love supporting our people there. Um, and we have a great Instagram account where you can watch all the people and all the things that happen. Oh, we'll have to tune in and tag you. Uh, our producer here is also our social, my social media director. Um, you also have events at, at Jill Lindsay. What kind of events do you have? We sure do. Um, and it's funny because we started doing events like the month I opened because we really needed people to get into the store. And I think there was, because it's a mixed use space and it was kind of a new concept at the time five years ago, it was, people were a little intimidated to come in because they were like, is it a cafe? Is it a store? What's going on? So we started with a date dash and then we started doing like crafting kids events um, workshops it's led into business workshops uh, wellness you know talks meditations supper clubs you name it we have done it and we try to really support people in the neighborhood you know who have a dream or an aspiration and help them execute whatever it is they want to do for instance, you know, one of my biggest goals two years ago was to really support um, nonprofits and needs in Fort Greene. So we did a fundraiser for the Tillery Women's Shelter, which is a 200-bed women's shelter in Fort Greene. And we raised almost $30,000 for them. Oh, it was incredible. We continue to support them. And then that's led to a bunch of other um, fundraisers that we've been doing such as one for Village Vines, which is um, a wine-growing company in the Navy Yard, Rooftop Reds. And so we help them uh, sell their, their uh, grapevines to people, and then all of the money goes to nonprofits. We also support Camp Brooklyn Fund, which is an amazing organization who sends um, you know, economically disadvantaged children in Brooklyn to sleepaway camp every summer. So we have um, fundraisers coming up for those two organizations as well as another one for the Tillery Women's Shelter this year. What events are coming up in the near future specifically with dates that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, yes. So I actually host a workshop, and it is called the Jill Lindsay Manifestation Workshop. It's on August 19th, and it helps people get really clear on whether they want to manifest a new job, a new home, a partner, the love of their life. So I, it's a really fun workshop, super light. We really help people come and find their passion. We also have a breathwork workshop with Samantha Story, which is amazing. And for those of you who don't know what breathwork is, it is a holistic approach to stress relief used through a breathing technique. We also have a workshop called Being in Business. And this is cool because it's, um, it's for everyone not 
to not for men or women specifically, it's for truly everyone for bringing femininity into the workplace. Um, and so this is a two-hour workshop diving into the femininity of how businesses can be started and run, and it's really, really special. Uh, getting back to, to Fort Greene and its, and its vibe, is there anything that you struggle with in Fort Greene as someone who lives mm -hmm. there and also someone who, who's a business owner there? So we joke about this all the time because if I could find the funding to take over an entire block of Myrtle Avenue, we would have a healthy, affordable lunch spot, takeaways too. We would have another fitness center with workout classes and especially, um, you know, activities for teens and teens mostly because, you know, we struggle with that on Myrtle Avenue is, you know, the only place they have to go is the park or someone's home. Um, and then, you know, also diversifying into more retail structures, like we need space for a men's store, we need space for a home store, and all things that are sustainable and good for us as people to grow. Do you see yourself opening up any of these businesses in the near future? I would love to. I see it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any plans to open up specific businesses? I mean, this is, you mentioned sort of a desire, what you'd, what you'd like to see. Is there any definite thing on, on your drawing board that this is, this is going to happen in this amount of time? Um, there are two things that will be happening. Um, one, I cannot disclose. Two, um, <laughs> I keep searching for a space um, specifically in Fort Greene, probably on Myrtle Avenue, where we can have more of an activity community space. So more workout classes, more places for people to gather. Because the thing that I've found from my business is that, you know, we're not a restaurant. We're, we're a restaurant, we're a store, we're a place. But really, it's hard to find places in New York City where you can just go that isn't, you know, a library or a park anything like that. So really, it would be a place where there's activations, there's sensory things, there's emotional things, a place for people to really come and be enriched in their lives for all ages, for all genders, and do whatever they need to do. So that is the space that I'm looking for. Hmm. Got an interesting question for you. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that surprises you about Fort Greene now, having lived there for 11 years and been in business for five? Something that surprises me. Is there anything? Not come up with something, but I'm just, you know, is, 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 is there anything that, that surprises you about, about the neighborhood where you, where you live and do business? I can't say there's anything off the top of my mind. I will say that it does surprise me that there are quite a few commercial rental spaces still available in Fort Greene in a lot of places. And it's amazing to me that it hasn't been swooped up by people so quickly. Which I think maybe they're just holding out for more Jill Lindsay locations. <laughs> well, looking into, leads me to my, my next question, looking into your Fort Greene crystal ball. If anyone has a crystal ball mm -hmm. for Fort Greene, it has to be you. Um, how do you see the neighborhood evolving in the future? I definitely see more, I mean, more people are going to keep moving in. That's an absolute. Um, they keep building more buildings. The Navy Yard is thriving you know, more and more people are, now that we have the ferry from the Navy Yard to Manhattan, it's amazing. So I feel like, you know, growth for Fort Greene is on the up and more things will continue to be there to support it. Mm. Oh, great. 
Well, Jill, we're out of time. Um, thank you so much. Our, thank you. Our second guest has been Jill Lindsay of Jill Lindsay. Uh, her store is on Myrtle Avenue and uh, Delphi Street, and it is a very special place. I actually visited it uh, on Saturday. I happened to be in Fort Greene giving someone a little bit of a tour of Fort Greene. Um, we've just finished this week's journey to Fort Greene. If you have any questions or comments about the show or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook. The handle is Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. And you can also follow me on Instagram at jeffgoodmannyc. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategists at Freedom Mortgage, and the law offices of Thomas Siaka, specializing in trusts, estate planning, and probate administration. And don't forget, when I'm not hosting this show, I am a real estate agent at Halstead. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide our clients with the best service and expertise in New York City real estate, including in Fort Greene. You can reach us at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is Kelly Kenlon. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Stay tuned at 8 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc for Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way with Noreen Sumter. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 